0: It's time to heed the call of the wild and seek the higher calling. Higher Calling is the voice of mountain and forest wildlife and is hosted by award-winning wildlife journalist and conservationist Chester Moore. Be ready for an increase in altitude and a relentless pursuit of the creatures that dwell there. Welcome to the Higher Calling. This is Chester Moore. And this is a topic that I've been really excited about covering here on the program, and that is trout fishing, native trout, trout conservation. On the phone from Utah, we have Brett Prettyman. He is the Conservation Director for Trout Unlimited's Science Western Water and Habitat Headwaters Programs. Welcome to Higher Calling, Brett.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, you know, in the age of uh, a new term we've all learned, social distancing, I can't think of maybe a better way to distance myself from the social structure than to find some beautiful stream somewhere and take an ultralight spinning uh, combo or a fly rod and seek trout. I mean, that seems like good social distancing practice to me.
1: Absolutely. Look at all the memes that everybody's got on their social media right now. And it's like, I've been practicing social distancing for years, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's funny because
0: I talked to to someone in Montana who said there was actually some streams they were having to like have officials stop by and say, hey guys, get a little further apart. There were so many people hitting the trout streams. (laughs)
1: Well, that's definitely you know a concern there's there's places where it isn't social distancing, and that's really sad in a lot of ways right sure. but, um, but it's it's true and so and that's actually kind of um what the the programs that we want to talk about today really encourage is is kind of spreading your wings and finding new waters yeah, and you know pursuing native species you're often going to um places that you wouldn't usually go to and that's kind of what the ideas of these um these trout slams are all about is is to to you know pursue a new species and, and explore the places that they live as we all know trout live in in beautiful places so um, it's just, you know, like, well, the bottom line is it's just another excuse to go fishing, right? <laughs> and there's nothing
0: wrong with that, and we can definitely use that in our in our world right now. I got to ne- yes. connected with you through Therese Thompson from the Western Native Trout Initiative, and uh, I learned about the Utah Cutthroat Slam, which is yeah. an incredible— I've been checking out the website. I'm kind of obsessed about this now. Uh, so yeah. can you tell our listeners all about the Utah Cutthroat Slam?
1: Well, I guess there's a long story and a short story. I'll try to maybe do a combination of them. That'll Um, work. uh, Before I joined Trout Unlimited about five years ago, I was the outdoors writer at the Salt Lake Tribune. Mm -hmm. And I had always eyed um, the Wyoming Cut Slam, uh, which has been around for more than 20 years now, as something that I thought Utah should do. Um, And so I kept um, you know, kind of poking the Utah division of wildlife to do something, uh, similar to it. And I'll explain that here in a second. Um, they kept saying that they, you know, that it just didn't work at that time. And, and, um, and, you know, I kept saying, why not, you know, you got to figure this out. Uh, it's, it's doing great in Wyoming. And eventually they, you know, when I left, uh, the paper, uh, they said, you know, um, Okay, now you can help us make this happen. So I, I did. And with Trout Unlimited, we, um, it was the, it's the first time that a, a nonprofit has partnered with the state wildlife agency to do, uh, a slam like this. And I, am really excited about how it's gone. We, we've used the basis of the Wyoming Cut Slam, which was catch four native species, of mm-hmm. uh, cutthroat, the only native trout to the west um, to, at least to the mountain West for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and just catch it and, and send in pictures and say, um, this is where I caught it. And, um, and you know, at that time you would get a certificate. Uh, I wanted Utah slam to be similar, but, um, but different. And so one of the things we did is we kind of upped the ante a little bit and, produced a, a medallion that, that people can get when they complete the SLAM. Um, we also um, decided to have people pay $20 in advance um, to help generate money for native cutthroat conservation here in Utah. Uh, we launched this in 2016, about mm-hmm. this time in 2016, and um, I'm looking at some stats right now, and, and right now we've, we've issued more than 2,100 SLAMs, so people paid 20 bucks each to do it and if you're under 18, it's only 10. Um, and we've raised more than $40,000, um, for conservation projects. Now in, in the, you know, in the world of conservation, that's not a lot of money, but that's money that wasn't there before. Um, so we're pretty excited about, about being able to not only give people a reason to go fishing, um, but to help, you know, support these programs that, that are you know, protecting and restoring our our native um, cutthroat populations.
0: Well, you say forty thousand um, so yeah. dollars isn't much in conservation terms. If you think about, you know, these giant projects, yes. But the great Guy Harvey, the world's greatest marine bi- uh, conservationist artist, told me if everyone does a little, then a lot yeah. happens. So that's a great idea of taking that localized version of this. And doing something specific for the state of Utah and inspiring those anglers to get out there and do something they can remember the rest of their life.
1: Well, and that that really is the point, right? Is is we want people to know first of all that it's okay to fish for native species. You know, they yeah, some of them are are threatened um, for endangered species listing and such, but but there are viable populations across the country and and they should be fished for um, because. You know that's they're maintained as a resource for the public, and that's. Uh, but but it is important, obviously, to recognize that there are issues that are impacting those populations, mm-hmm. and and Trout Unlimited and and state and federal agencies are here to try to make sure they don't disappear. And yeah, um, being able to encourage people to understand the value of fishing for native species and raising some money at the same time um, has really benefited. You know, I, I think that a lot of people are surprised by the value um, that, you know, the success that the, that the Utah cutthroat slam has had in raising money and in raising, um, in, you know, uh, knowledge and education about, about these species and where they're from. Part of the Utah slam is you have to catch a native species in its native range. It's not just, um, you know, they planted a cutthroat trout, um, all over Utah at one time and you can catch them there. It's, you got to catch them in their native native range and um and that's that's the challenge um and i i'm not a big fan of fishing contests um Mm -hmm. and i don't do this a contest i consider this a challenge west it's it's just like fishing right it's a challenge no matter where and when you are so (laughs) this just makes it a little bit more interesting so yeah you know it's been it's been great we've had um um over uh, let's see, 1,600 people. Uh, well, we've had over 500 people complete the SLAM um, since it started. And, uh, you know, like I, I mentioned, the money that we've raised. But we've also, there's, there's only um, eight states that have not had somebody from their state purchase the um, registration. So I'm pretty excited about that. We've got even Can- Canadians that are, that are signing up for this. It, it's been, it's been a lot of fun and, and really, to be honest, the, the stories I really love are the ones where, um, I hear about, and we, we've, we've shared some of these stories on the, the Slam Facebook page of, you know, families that have gone out multi-generational and, and done it as, as a family, you know, grandpa, son and, and, uh, grandson. And that really is, is to me, the real value of the slam is is giving those guys a reason to get out and fish together
0: like that. That's a beautiful thing. And when you think about trout, I mean, if if someone's sort of at an entry level of, of trout fishing or has just a rudimentary knowledge, they may not have an idea of just how different the trout situation in America is compared to before we started stocking trout places. I mean, it's a radically different map. If you look at trout distribution than it was before it
1: absolutely and we all know the rainbow trout and um you know they've uh taken over the world as they say you know they're 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 only um the only continent they're not present on now is is, um the art you know the arctic so it's it's it is they're they're in africa they're everywhere and um that's because they were easiest to grow and Mm -hmm. and um and and you know people said well let's put them everywhere then and you know that was that was then and and now we're realizing that that was maybe not the exact right thing to do mm-hmm. um, and and you know they're still going to be around there's no doubt that that you know species like rainbows and browns or have their place um, but but there's there should be some places that, that are remain strongholds for native Native fish across our country, and you look at these different ones. Let's talk about the
0: Bonneville Cutthroat for a second. Uh, tell us a little bit about that particular uh, fish.
1: Well, it's it's pretty interesting. As are all the all the species have really unique and interesting stories. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bonneville Cutthroat is is, an, is the state fish of Utah, mm-hmm. and um, it wasn't always. It took a, a bunch of fourth grade fourth graders in the early nineteen nineties to um, to Petition the state to change the state fish from a non-native introduced rainbow trout to a native species that actually helped the Mormon pioneers survive when they first arrived in in Utah. Um, There's a lake here in Utah called Utah Lake. It's a remnant of, um, well, the Great Salt Lake and Utah Lake are both remnants of what was this massive um, lake called Bonneville, um, Lake Bonneville. um, And In Lake Bonneville were these 30 pound cutthroat trout. And as they, as the lake shrunk over time and and left um, the Salt Lake Valley with the Great Salt Lake and Utah Lake, there was a population that sustained in Utah Lake. And when the pioneers arrived in 1847, there was, it was late in the air and there was no time to do crops and and the, their leader said, survive off the land. And they went to Utah Lake and they caught 30-pound cutthroat trout to sustain themselves. Wow. Um, and, you know, so it makes you realize what, um, you know, the importance that these species had um, in in ex- exploration of our country and you know, the Lewis and Clark expedition discovered so many cool ones. And it's just, it's really interesting to get into the, the stories of each of these species. So the, the Bonneville still exists. Um, it's, it's, uh, there's places, there's a Canyon about, you know, 20 minutes from, from my home in Salt Lake that had brown trout, rainbows, um, and, and, and some cut bow mixes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, until about four or five years ago, and the Forest Service and the Division of Wildlife and the and local TU chapter decided to, to you know to fix the things that had happened since the pioneers arrived, and they treated the entire I think it's 12 miles of this creek that's mm-hmm. very very popular. It gets a lot of pressure, and put native natives back in there, and so that's one of the places you can go catch uh, Bonneville Cutthroat for the Utah Cutthroat Slam now. Um, so it's, you know, and, and they're still providing fishing opportunity and it's, uh, it's, you know, there's, there's places where it makes sense to do that kind of stuff.
0: You mentioned cut Is hybridization a problem with these native
1: species? Absolutely. Um, it's one of the, you know, out, outside of competition from other species like rainbows, especially with rainbows and cutthroat, mm-hmm. the issue is that they can hybridize. Um, they spawn at the same time in most cases and, and um it, you lose the genetic purity of, of the cutthroat that are in the system when they start to mingle like that. Um cutbow are cool fish um and they have a place in certain areas and it can happen naturally um and it does where those populations are native, but um it's not uh um it's not good for species if you're trying to preserve genetic diversity.
0: For sure. We have a similar problem in Texas with our native Guadalupe bass, which is, yeah. only, which is only native to like, you know, about six drainages, major drainages in the Texas Hill Country. Well, there was some small smallmouth stocked in some of those, and they're not native. Mm-hmm. And so there's hybridization and things going on with that genetic integrity. So let's kind of move on a second. I want, to, I want to hit all four of these guys. Talk about the Colorado River cutthroat, which I think is a very, very beautiful fish, by the way.
1: Oh, Hey, well, um, we're on the same page there. They are my favorite by far Mm -hmm. as a, you know, in my early twenties, I went to, um, Southern Utah, um, which is a place that a lot of people don't think of as a trout destination. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, there's some Colorado river drainage, drainage, um, tributaries up there, um, in, in Southern Utah. And I went to a place where I was catching, you know, um, native Colorado river cutthroat. Um, and it was, it was the fall and I thought, um, they were in spawning colors and I was kind of confused because I thought they spawned in the spring. Well, they do, but that's how beautiful these fish were. I (laughs) gotcha. They are, they are just amazing to me. And they're, they're probably my favorite um, of the four, I, mm-hmm. I hate to you know it's like picking your favorite kid. It's kind of hard to do. Well, it's like um, I'm really
0: into wild sheep, although I've never killed one. I can't afford to hunt sheep, but uh, I photograph them. <laughs> I photograph them, and my favorites the stone sheep. And it's like I hate to pick one of you guys, especially since I have desert bighorns native to Texas. But dang, those stone sheep are awesome. But when I was studying it's, all this, and I, it, yeah, I was looking at these, and I was like, man, those are stunning.
1: And it's interesting how I think that's kind of the other beauty part of this is that, that people each have their own and there's different reasons why they have their own. It could be the first fish they caught with their grandpa who passed away, you know, eventually. And, and, um, or it's, it's, you know, um, me, that realization of being in this amazingly beautiful place and catching these fish that originated in that area. I just, it's just powerful stuff. And so each person kind of has their own favorite. You know, I know the snake river fine spotted, um, up in, um, Wyoming is is one of my other favorites, just because they're just so stunning. You know, the the one that really got my attention a couple of years ago when I caught them for the first time was a little hot and cutthroat right out of Pyramid Lake in Nevada. Mm-hmm. Those fish are really really cool, and again, it's a very similar story where they were thought to be almost extinct, and they showed up in some random place, and you know, right now through hatchery stuff through the tribe and, and the feds they've been able to you know get a great population going there and everybody knows about pyramid and the giant fish um very similar to utah lake in that sense it's, you know basically a terminal system that has had giant cutthroat in it and there they have them again so it's, it's all the stories about cutthroat are very cool but the colorado is as you would imagine any drainage of the colorado at the native range of mm-hmm. Out of the Colorado um, River Cutthroat, um, and they're primarily caught on the um, uh, eastern side of Utah, um, and and they're like you said, they're just so beautiful. Um, you, you just, I just can't get enough of those guys. <laughs> you know,
0: the Yellowstone Cutthroat out of this bunch is probably the one that probably has the most national attention, simply because Yellowstone National Park, that river drainage. And you see them out there more. Interestingly enough, I wrote a, I wrote a blog at highercalling.net a few weeks ago about Texas native trout because we mm-hmm. used to have the Rio Grande cutthroat many, many, many years ago, um, according right. to documents. The only trout I've caught in Texas, other than rainbows that have been stocked, are uh, spotted sea trout. And I said, those aren't real trout.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Those aren't real
0: trout, but the Yellowstone cutthroat kind of looks like one in certain color phases. which is kind of funny, but uh, let's talk a little bit about that Yellowstone cutthroat and uh, it's got probably a little bit bigger range than a couple of these other guys.
1: Yeah. It really depends on, um, you know, that's a good question or a good point. I I haven't thought about who has the biggest range. Mm -hmm. Um, in Utah, the Yellowstone cutthroat has a very, very limited range. Yeah. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's the hardest one to get for the Utah cutthroat slime because it's it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, which you know I, I kind of like. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, but um, but as far as the you know the the biggest population of Yellowstone cutthroat trout was in Yellowstone Lake, mm-hmm. um, and you know we I think most of us know about the issues that the illegally Introduced lake trout brought to Yellowstone Lake and that threat. Um, there's a, there's a great movie that was part of the F3T fly fishing series tour, uh, movie tour last year called The Return that, that documents, um, um, the efforts to try to cull the number of lake trout in Yellowstone Lake because at one time it was probably the largest, it, it, not probably, it was the most um, substantial stronghold of cutthroat trout in the world, mm-hmm. um, and the lake trout almost wiped them out. Um, and if, if people had not stepped in and tried to uh, remedy the situation, then they probably would have been at least in Yellowstone Lake and the tributaries there. So, but this this video, the return, documents a Trout Unlimited volunteer from Wyoming, from who represented the Wyoming. Trout limited Council on the efforts to, you know, work on this lake trout issue, and um, the movie focuses on um, he and his daughter going into the headwaters of the Yellowstone, and you know, seeing if it was working because the the big um, migratory spawning cutthroat that were coming out of Yellowstone Lake had virtually stopped, mm-hmm. um, and there started to be some reports that they were showing back up. And he went up there to check it out, and I, you know, I think I, I won't spoil anybody's, um, you know, outcome of the movie if, if I tell them that they found fish, and it, it's it's hugely rewarding um, for for this this individual who's spent so much of his time trying to make it happen, um, and then also um, just for cutthroat enthusiasts and, and you know native species enthusiasts around the world to hear that, that you know we, we gave them a chance again. Um, so it's, it's, um, it was one of my, the favorite things that I've been involved with since I joined charter women.
0: You know, what's interesting about this is, um, and I, and I noticed this on the wildlife side of things. If you're from, let's say, um, Texas on East, I think we're used to things sort of being everywhere, you know, like for example, white tail deer are everywhere from most of Texas all the way to Maine. Um, right. But if you go out west, there are pockets of mule deer. There are pockets of whitetail. There are migrations right. and fish. You go like there's a lake. Okay, there's there's largemouth in it. There's largemouth yeah. in this river. There's smallmouth in this river. But when you go out west, I, asked, I talked about the geographical distribution of Yellowstone trout. But just because the Yellowstone River flows a certain way or just because the original native range was such... With trout, does it necessarily mean that these native trout are going to be in that whole drainage?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of geological issues that, mm-hmm. that weigh into where these fish were able to get to, and so many of these populations were, became distinct species of cutthroat because of geological events that mm-hmm. prevented them from, um, you know, so it, there's, there's a species here in Utah and, and Wyoming um, the, it's, we, we, we refer to it in the SLAMs as the Bear River cutthroat. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually previously and it's still officially scientifically recognized as a strain of the Bonneville um, trout. Okay, um, And basically through genetics and this is the other crazy thing about, about the cutthroat stuff and so many other species is, is if you dig deep enough genetically you will find distinctions that maybe separate certain species from others um the utah division of wildlife decided to re-categorize the, the the cutthroat trout in the bear river and bear lake in utah as bear river cutthroat instead of bonneville um uh cutthroat um because in ancient geological times the bear river um flowed um into well, let's see. I'm trying. Let's see here. So, I want to make sure I get this right. I so, um, so the um, they officially used to flow into the Yellowstone, um, so mm-hmm. or into the Snake River, which is a Yellowstone cutthroat stronghold. So, let me say that again. <laughs> the, the Bear River used to historically flow into the, to the Snake River, and so they are more closely related to Yellowstone cutthroat than they are to the Bonneville cutthroat. Mm-hmm. Because Bear River now flows into um, uh, the Great Salt Lake, uh, a geological event changed its direction and changed the um, the connection that the Bear River had with the Yellowstone Cutthroat. Um, and we assumed that they were Bonnevilles, but they're actually not. So it's kind of interesting. Some, you know, um, Wyoming still calls them Bonneville Bear River strain, um, and you know, there's things like that that'll be sorted out, but. Um, that the Division of Wildlife decided that they would be Bear Rivers instead. And, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. And, that again, that's one of those stories that, that just happens. And, and this is how much of a, a geek I am when it comes to cutthroat and their distribution <laughs> and their ranges. I, I, I wrote a blog once about um, cutthroat country. And um, I was driving to an event, and I, I was driving over a path. And I realized at the very top of the path that I was leaving Bonneville Cutthroat range and heading into colorado river um cutthroat range and it was this cool moment for me to kind of visualize and i started thinking about that and how when i look at maps you know i see i see distribution of native species of dude I'm,
0: I'm the same way with all the wildlife and fisheries i'm into so like i remember uh if you i live in the easternmost city in texas in orange and louisiana border so, right. uh, and Texas is a gigantic state. So if yeah. you go, I was going out to do a, um, uh, with one of the kids we work with in our nonprofit, a desert bighorn capture out with Texas parks and wildlife, 11 and a half hours to the West. Right. So it was <laughs> me and my wife and my daughter in this call, this girl who's in our programs in college, she's like our family, you know, we're driving. And my wife's actually taking this shift of driving. I've been driving for like eight hours and I'm like, Hey, I kind of woke up said, Lisa, have we got into Crockett <laughs> County yet? She's like, I don't know. I said, we're we in my Ozona. Yeah, I see a sign 20 miles. Start looking for mule deer. You know, <laughs> and that's the same way. I mean, it's like, you know, it, it, but that's the thing. You know, you and I are talking about this with your trout and the deer and everything. And it's like, but that that gives us something to seek our teeth into. And also, we can talk about this issue around the context of that wildlife conservation thing and that fisheries conservation. And that's kind of where I want to bring this. I mean, we have these wonderful range and distribution. But let's say someone out there takes this slam up or they talk about the Western Native Trout Initiative. They go for that whole thing. What can they do as an individual to promote and help sustain native trout conservation, also just stream and fishery conservation? What are some steps someone can take to make that happen?
1: Well, I, you know, I have to, I have to toe the company line here and say that, you know, that's what Trout Unlimited focuses on yep. is, is trying to maintain these populations and, and, and genetically pure populations. And um, so, and the thing I really appreciate about Trout Unlimited and that I always did as a as an outdoor journalist was was that there's the, the different levels of Trout Unlimited. You know, the the volunteer level is so vastly important to Trout Unlimited. The the chapters and the members that you know will go out and do the work. Um, mm-hmm. And and um, it, that that's the easiest way to get involved in uh, native cutthroat. And trout conservation across the country is to become a member of Trout Unlimited. Of course, you, you're supporting Trout Unlimited by, you know, becoming a member. Um, uh, it gives us a voice. Uh, you know, the, the bigger our numbers, um, also, um, and and and. The, but then you can go out and do these projects. You can go out and um, one of the big things right now in the in the West specifically is these BDA's Beaver Dam Analogues, where you know we're realizing that you know the water's heating up in these small streams and there's no place for fish to find a refuge in in warm water and by creating these these fake human created beaver dams there's creating places for them to hide when it gets too hot Mm -hmm. um and so a lot of um a lot of our work is finding these places that need these things and then um you know, finding funding for it, and then and then reaching out to volunteers to help us create them, um, and that's you know, put your back into it, and you know, rather than apply a cast, you know, you know, turn in a shovel or pounding in some stakes um, type of stuff, um, and that and it is a rewarding sense of that of like you know, I'm giving something back, and and you, there's a deeper appreciation for the resource when you're helping to protect it, and that's why, you know, we try to do. So much of this stuff and, and try to reach out. You know, one of the other important things that we do is this program called Trout in the Classroom where we help, you know, teachers get tanks in their rooms and raise trout, um, across the country so the kids can have this connection to the importance of these fish. And, and it, it gives the classroom, um, experience an opportunity to, you know, talk about the issues that these fish might, might face when they're released um and that really helps open eyes but it's the same thing as you get older and you start to you know well i want to do something to help what are we doing and then you go and you start doing it and like well why are we building this beaver dam why aren't there beaver here and and, and why does that matter and um, you start to make these connections and you start to understand um deeper the value and and your your role in being able to help with that is it, there's a, there's definitely a rewarding sense, and that, I, that's back to the cutthroat slam. That's the same kind of thing. It's you're realizing the, the species, and mm-hmm. that they're bringing a family together, and that they're taking you to these beautiful places. Um, and just by doing a slam, you're helping because you're raising money. You're helping. You're, you're going to brag about it, right? So <laughs> so you're helping other people decide to do it too, um, and. So the easiest way to, I think, um, do this is to become a member of, of Trout Unlimited. But there are other clubs out there and other fishing groups that are doing important work as well. Um, you know, get involved and um, uh, you know use your back and use your voice to stand up for, for native trout. That's kind of our mantra. Well, I'll tell you what,
0: it's a great cause. You can get more information on Trout Unlimited at tu.org. And I'll tell you what, I've learned a lot today, so we appreciate oh, you. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, well, come
1: on out. We'll go get some. No,
0: I'm on this because I'm going to be doing some stuff in the West. And unfortunately, some of my spring trips are canceled now. So maybe I'll have an oh, excuse yeah. to call you up and go out to uh, Utah and catch some uh, Trout Slam material and have a great yeah, time I and see. photograph it and post all of this and get the word out, you know?
1: Yeah, I'd be glad to have you out and show you around. And uh, you know, I can't promise you fish, but I can promise to take you to some beautiful country to look for them.
0: Oh, come on, man. I've been a wildlife journalist <laughs> like you forever. And there's always some guide that says, I can promise you fish, you know, by nine. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a fun thing. And that's the thing about fishing. You can get out there and unwind and have a great time. But we got to, during this crisis and things we're going through, keep conservation at the forefront. I know Trout Unlimited does an amazing job of that. TU.org. And uh, we really appreciate you calling in on, the, on Higher Calling.
1: Hey, no problem.
0: I'm just glad to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Was right. fun. Oh, you are very welcome. Trout Unlimited is a great organization. We're we'll doing more with them and more with native trout in the coming months. You've been listening to the Higher Calling, hosted by the wildlife journalist Chester Moore. Contact him at Chester at Chestermoor.com. Follow him at the on Instagram and his blog at highercalling.net.